Listeners, we are back after a long CMON Expo weekend, and then basically a few days to recover after that. And by recover, I mean I took a single day off to catch up on some things. Still catching up. But that's not what you came here to talk about. You came here to uh, talk about mercenaries, neutral forces, Ramsey Bolton. We have a lot to cover today, so we're just going to get right into it. If you want to open up the uh, accompanying PDF, we can go ahead and start this. So today we're going to be looking at Ramsey Bolton at 50 points. And uh, as opposed to the Roos Bolton list that I did a few weeks back, this is going to be a pure neutral force, which means that we're not going to be making use of any of the Lannister tricks. We're going to be playing with the full neutral deck. So that's going to actually change uh, how we approach things and how we go about list construction. Given that we only have neutral units to choose from, that basically means at this time that we are talking just a pure Bolton list with some additional attachments. Before we get heavy into it, though, I want to talk about the uh, generic neutral tactics cards, which is going to be page two of that PDF. Uh, I'm going to go over them very briefly here and just explain the general ways this is going to change how your list is going to play. I'm going to start with bribery. When you claim the wealth zone of the tactics board, you may replace that zone's effects with choose one. One enemy becomes weakened and loses all abilities this round. Or one enemy in CU loses all abilities and may not activate if it has not already done so this round. So this is going to start off with a theme that you're going to see with the uh, neutral tactics deck is uh, adaptability, some elements of control, and a very heavy em uh, emphasis on the wealth and tactics zones. Uh, this is just a generally good card. Gives you some control over a combat unit or an NCU. Next card, Wealth and Cunning. When a friendly unit attacks or is attacked, in each case after attack dice are rolled. If attacking, deal an additional D3 automatic hits, or plus 3 hits if you control the tactic zone. If defending, automatically block 3 hits, or 3 hits if you control the wealth zone. Generically good, extra hits are always good, extra defense, always good. Again, seeing here that the areas of the tactics board that you control are fairly important. Worth the reward. When a friendly unit would fail a panic test, you may reroll that panic test. If you control wealth, they automatically pass this test instead. Some extra insurance to keep your guys from running away because frankly the neutral units are absolutely awful when it comes to morale. So um, yeah, this is going to help you out in that area. Adaptive methods. Anytime. Expend one condition token on enemy unit as if it were any other condition token. If you control tactics, you may also remove one condition token from any unit, friendlier, uh, friendlier enemy, to any other unit. Sorry, you may move one condition token. Which means that if your guys are affected by something, you can take it off of them, stick it on an enemy. Um, and this allows you to expend a condition token as if it were anything else. Uh, with the Boltons, you are going to really start switching out tokens for uh, Panicked, most likely, because they can make use of that. But here's the thing, you're going to be dishing out a bunch of panic tokens. This one allows you to turn into a vulnerable token if you're facing an army that has good morale. Or turn into a weakened token if your opponent just you know dumps a bunch of offensive tactics cards on you and you need to really switch that out. Frankly, this is one of my favorite cards in the entire deck just because I'm a really big fan of condition token play. Next one up, surprise strategy. Start of any turn. Opponents may not play tactics cards this turn. Remove this card from the game instead of discarding it when it is played. If you control the tactics zone, you may also return one discarded tactics card. Sorry, one card from your tactics. Oh my god, one tactics card from your discard pile to your hand. So this is a nice little control aspect, as I spoke about earlier. It just prevents any of those nasty little tricks from ruining your plans. And again, if you control the tactics zone, you may pull a card back from your discard, which 
you know, all tactics cards are useful. Having more of them is great. And, you know, another use of them, hey, even better. Cunning Scheme. Start of a friendly turn. Return one tactics card from your discard pile to your hand. Remove this card from the game instead of uh, discarding it when it is played. If you control the tactic zone, one opponent must also discard one tactics card at random. Uh, so here's one of our two sets of cards that allow you to basically uh, cycle your discard tactics cards back into your hand. Um, and this one has the primary effect though. Sorry. This one, that is the primary effect of the card versus surprise strategy, which had it as a secondary effect. Uh, the main effect here is going to be to get that card back and then give some small element of control by forcing your opponent to discard a tactics card. But really this one here is just to get cards back. And the final one, Spoils of War. When an enemy unit is destroyed, roll d6. Restore that many wounds plus two total across any number of friendly units. If you control wealth, you may roll two dice and select the highest result. So I'm a really big fan of this card because most of the uh, restoration cards in the game are going to be unit specific. This one allows you to potentially just restore up to two ranks of guys across your entire army. Uh, that's total, so I want to again stress out because uh, people tend to, for some reason, overlook that and think that for some reason you have a card that can restore eight uh, wounds across all of your units. Guys, reading comprehension, come on. So this is good just for topping off a unit because sometimes you know, you'll have a unit that only has like three wounds that it needs to get back before it gets a rank back and past that you really don't care. So this one here is going to uh, help you, you know, just spread across what you need to. Uh, this one is, the only cautionary one I would say with this is you're running like a heavy cavalry list, like a bunch of flayed men in this case. This card's it's good, but it's going to have diminishing returns because you're only going to have two ranks. But if you're running a bunch of mass infantry, especially cheap mass infantry, which, uh, spoilers, our list that we're running is kind of full of those, this card is invaluable. Um, as cheap, you know, restoring effects are just nice. So... Overall, when you're playing the neutral forces, especially as they are right now, they're heavily, heavily into aggression and damage dealing. They have barely any staying power, and their morale is, frankly, not that great, with some rare exception. So that's something you're going to want to focus on, is that you are going to be winning whenever you're attacking. If you're not attacking, and you're just kind of dicking around trying to be defensible and things like that, you're not going to really do that great, okay? Uh, the neutral army as a whole is probably the most aggressive one currently out, even more so than the Starks, just because they really don't have the, um, the luxury of sitting around. Starks in general have good morale to uh, help, and they also get better as they take damage. Neutrals just are at their strongest when they're at their full capacity. They are weakest when they are uh, damaged, you know, just like anything else in the game. Therefore, you really need to alpha strike, you really need to get in there and just deal as much damage early on as you can and really press that advantage when it happens. You have all the cards here to help you with your sneaky plays and you actually have a number of uh, restoration effects, which is actually uh, a thing that people tend to overlook when they're playing this army. Because you have a, such a strong focus on the wealth zone of the tactics board, you're going to be healing your guys up a lot, so make use of that. You can play the game where you're kind of outlasting your opponent, but you really don't want to get into that fight because uh, you'll probably lose. What you really want to do is just use the wealth zone, use your tactics cards, top your guys off so they're the maximum combat capabilities, and really just get in there and hurt your opponents because usually at the start of any fight, you're probably going to be stronger. Your stats are just uh, reinforcing that, uh, which we'll get into with the specifics. But as the fight lingers on, that's when you're going to begin to suffer. So get in there, hit hard, hit fast, and hopefully you know take that momentum and use it to win the game. 
Alright, so let's talk about Ramsey's specific tactics cards and his general playstyle. Uh, so, being that we are looking at House Bolton at this point, we are going to have a strong emphasis on panic and those type of effects. Whereas Roos was more psychological, where he could manipulate panic tokens to um, create different effects. With the case of Ramsey here, you're actually usually just going to gain bonuses for attacking panicked units and um, win through just rampant slaughter. So if you like the idea of being kind of that boogeyman and creating fear in the enemy, uh, but you don't really want to do the... you want to do more Jason Voorhees than you do Freddy Krueger, then Ramsey is going to be your pick over Roos. Looking at his three specific tactics cards, we have our first one, Cruel Methods. Start of the round. One friendly unit may make a free attack action. If it does not destroy an enemy, it must make a panic test and suffers minus three to the roll. If it is a House Bolton unit, it may use its highest value attack die and may reroll any misses. So this is good for us because every single unit in our army is House Bolton. So this means that we're always going to be attacking with our maximum dice and getting to reroll any misses. The trade-off here, though, is that, again, if you don't destroy them, your unit is going to suffer a panic test at minus three, which, as I spoke about, uh, is not good because your guy's morale is already kind of garbage and it's not going to be made any better by taking a minus three penalty. Of course, the thing is you need to look at all of your resources as, well, resources. Your troops, your guys, they're just, you know, resources to be used. Sacrifices must be made to ensure that you win the overall war. And that's how you need to view it here. Next one up, our blades are sharp. When a friendly unit makes an attacks with melee, if targeting a panicked enemy, this attack gains plus one to hit and rolls plus two dice. If this is a House Bolton unit, the defender also becomes vulnerable. Once again, this basically just says anytime we make an attack, the defender becomes vulnerable. That's great for us. And if they're panicked, which odds are they're going to be, we're going to get plus one hit and we get to roll plus two dice, which means that for every single unit in our army, we are now hitting on a two plus with a minimal, uh, well, I shouldn't say minimal, a uh, minimal of six dice across most of the board. The one exception being the uh, Bastards Girls, who will be rolling only five. But again, five dice hitting a two plus. This is absolutely one of your strongest cards, and it does require some setup because you do have to make the enemy panicked. Oh no, we have means of doing that. But overall, this is for when you need to make something really, really dead. So, um, that's one of the strongest cards that Ramsey has available, and one of the strongest ones that's going to be in your deck. The final one is definitely my favorite, uh, Sadistic Games. Start of a friendly turn. Your opponent chooses one of the following. You declare targets only after they choose. Up to two enemy combat units become panicked. Or, one enemy combat unit suffers D3 plus 2 automatic hits. So, I don't know what it is about this card, but everyone seems to really like picking the first option, uh, up to two enemy combat units become panicked, versus suffering D3 plus 2 automatic hits. I believe the psychological aspect of it is that, you know, they see hits as automatic damage, or sorry, automatic damage, potentially, noting that you still get your defense saves. Uh, whereas Panicked, well, okay, yeah, that could cause some damage, but not right now. So out of sight, out of mind. Not something I immediately have to worry about. Therefore, it is not something I have to worry about, period. And frankly, that is absolutely flawed. Giving Ramsey any amount of uh, Panic tokens across the battlefield is just absolutely asking for trouble. Now, okay, sometimes that will be the better option rather than just suffering the automatic hits because... You know, it's situational. That might drop you a rank. That might be able to destroy a unit if you're running like a solo guy. So it is a bad choice. It's That's the whole point of the card. It's two bad choices for your opponent. Um, but 
by and by, I really do feel like putting those panic tokens out there is the worst of the two options. Uh, well, it depends. If, you're, if I'm playing Starks, then I probably don't care as much because, you know, I'm Starks, I already have a good morale. Uh, whereas my defense is not great. If I'm Lannisters, then, well, I don't care so much about the hits, but those panic tokens become a real serious issue with my army. And if I'm playing neutrals myself, yeah, I'll take the hits because I do not want my guys to get panicked. That has the potential for way more damage. Again, it's situational. I've just found in my test people tend to pick the panic tokens and that usually does come back to bite them. All right, so let's take a look at Ramsey's actual uh, commander card and his little pet Theon that he comes with. So Ramsey uh, does give you the Affiliation House Bolton, but at this present time, because again, all neutral units are Bolton, that effect is going to be wasted uh, just for the time being. Same thing with Roos, that he dubs it on a unit as well. So that's the unfortunate bit there. You know, it is what it is. His order, however, flay them all. When an enemy engaged with this unit fails a panic test, one other enemy within long range of that unit must make a panic test. So unlike the Lannisters, which have a lot of uh, panic and morale reduction effects. The Boltons don't really have that. Uh, they just have effects that cause you to make panic tests. So your damage is going to be, frankly, average at best, um, unless you start making use of panic tokens. So I don't want people to get the impression that like, oh man, you know, you can just sit here and whittle, or sorry, destroy whole armies with panic tests, because that's more a Lannister thing. With the neutrals here, this is just going to be a little bit of extra damage to kind of whittle guys down so you can get in there and kill them in melee. So don't rely on this, but it is a nice little combo. Especially when you look at Theon here, who has the set and example ability. When this unit activates, one enemy within long range becomes panicked. When you roll die, and 33% of the time you're going to accidentally kill Theon. Or intentionally do it however you want to look at it. Whatever. Uh, you have two targets when it comes to this ability. You have the unit that you're engaged with, therefore making them fail a panic test, allowing you to trigger flay them all or using it on the unit you want to target with Flay Them All. So you got some options there. I mean, there's some other little tricks in the army, but um, those are the two primary ones. I mean, he's giving you a free panic counter. It's one of the methods that Ramsey has to kind of fuel his own engine that he has to uh, make those more effective. So, you know, there you go. Uh, I don't really ever worry about using this ability too much every, every round, because yeah, odds are you're probably gonna kill Theon throughout the course of the game, but hey, it happens. Um, if I lose him early, yeah, that kind of sucks, but it's not the worst thing in the world. So, you know, there's never been a situation where I've been like, oh, I might hesitate and do this. No, use it every round. If you're not, you're wasting resources. Don't, I mean, why? If you use it and he dies, okay, you're not using it next round, but you skipped around anyway. So what's the point? All right, let's move on to the actual units in the army. The first one we have is we have a unit of Bolton Cutthroats that we're sticking Ramsey in. Now, the whole thing about the House Bolton Cutthroats is that they deal a lot of damage. I mean, a lot of damage, and have absolutely zero staying power because of it. And they're super cheap as well. I really like these guys. So we're looking at an attack profile of 864 with a 3 plus to hit. That is an attack profile of most elite units, uh, but these guys are only 5 points. The trade-off, though, is that their defensive stats are 5 plus defense and 7 plus morale, which are awful in all ways, shape, and form. Because, you know, you have a bunch of guys who are using two hand weapons and no shields and no armor of any kind. Great. The thing about their weapon, though, is that it also has two uh, traits to it. One is Vicious, which is just fantastic to have to deal some extra damage. Again, these guys are all about dealing damage. And then the secondary effect, or primary, depending on how you want to look at it. If this attack targets an enemy that is not activated this round, that enemy becomes vulnerable. 
Ah, I love it. Because this really forces your opponent into a nasty situation where, you know, they want to activate that one unit that's going to make them the power play in their mind. But the second they do that, you can capitalize and punish them somewhere else. And that's going to be kind of an overarching theme of this list when we're playing it, is punishing your opponent for making decisions. Not necessarily making the wrong decisions, because you can still make all the right calls and still lose the war. I believe uh, that's Star well I know that's Star Trek, but you know, that is what it is, and that is true. Uh, not to say that, you know, as far as the game goes, that's a very strange thing to say, but look at the situation here. You're putting your opponent in a series of no-win scenarios, and frankly, I love it. I love that play style, and this list is probably one of my favorites because of that. But the Bolton Cutthroats here really exemplify that, because, again, they don't, they don't have any staying power, and they can get wiped out really quick. But, if your opponent isn't careful about how they activate, what they activate, and where they leave their openings, then you're going to capitalize on that, and you're going to wreck them for it. Okay? So, one of the things about playing this list, while it is a very kind of brute force list, it also has a lot of strategy and tactics behind it, because not so much about what your guys are doing, because you can afford to make mistakes with this list and kind of rectify yourself, but you need to have an ever-present eye out for when your opponent makes a mistake. And the second they do, you jump on them and you just stab deep, deep red wedding style into them. And you just do not allow them to survive that. So you need to be ruthless. And I love this list because of it. Okay, the next unit that we are looking at is two units of uh, Cutthroats with a Dreadfort Captain. The Dreadfort Captain is going to give you the Spread Fear ability, which is each time an enemy engages this unit fails a panic test, one other enemy within long range of that unit becomes panicked. This is again going to help our uh, little panic engine. That's going to help us gain extra effects as we, uh, you know, as we're playing through the game. This is an often underrated uh, effect here because you're sticking him onto a cutthroat unit who has vicious, which is giving people minus two their panic tests. Even if it's not causing the most amount of wounds in the world, it still allows you opportunities to trigger the Dreadfort Captain effect. And this little combo here becomes very important when you're facing against unit, units and armies that have a really good morale value. So say you're facing against like uh, a, a Tully uh, Stark list who's going to have just six uh, a baseline six morale across the board and then probably stalwart uh, spread throughout that army. That's going to be a royal pain in the ass to deal with. So you're going to need every advantage you can get. And Vicious is going to help you with that. And the Dreadfort Captain being able to throw out Panicked is going to further help you with that as well. So this is going to create a lovely damage dealing effect against most armies. But this is almost kind of insurance if you're playing against someone that just has a super good uh, morale save army. Like again, uh, a tank Tully list is the first one that comes to mind. But you can see a lot of uh, just generic Stark lists out there that are going to be running a bunch of Stalwart. You know, with Mage Mormon or Brienne running with them. And this is going to give you the means that you have to get past that, whereas otherwise you probably wouldn't have a lot of options to deal with that. Because there are some generic um, neutral tactics cards that will help, but this is going to be your main bet doing that. And frankly, at six points, these units are a steal for what they do. Next unit we have is going to be the Bastards Girls uh, plus Roos Bolton. Uh, so the Bastards Girls we've spoken about in length previously, but we'll talk about them. These guys here, each individual attack does not have the best profile, but simply the raw number of attacks they get to make, because they're going to shoot you if you're tra with Tracker's Bow, which is probably not going to cause a lot of damage, but it potentially uh, is going to make you vulnerable. 
and more importantly, it's going to cause a panic test, which, again, is a central theme for this list. After that, they're going to charge you. Uh, six, six dice, not the biggest in the world, and no special effects on the attack, aside from potentially being vulnerable from the tracker's bow. But again, it's going to cause another panic test. So, you know, you've got lots of options uh, there for just dealing consistent damage. You're never going to do anything really flashy with them unless you play a card. But they just do consistent damage, and they're highly mobile because of how they can get across the board. So that's nice. When you stick Roost with them, they're going to gain Ferocious Assault, which is enemies successfully charged by this unit become panicked. Uh, again, extra damage. You're going to charge a guy who is vulnerable and potentially panicked as well. That six dice all of a sudden becomes way big threat. Uh, the last effect he has, aside from the Affiliation House Bolton, which we mentioned is kind of useless, is Prey on Fear. Each time an enemy engaged with this unit fails a panic test, that uh, this unit may restore up to two wounds. So as I mentioned earlier, you don't have a lot of staying power. The Bastards Girls kind of exemplify this because they've got an absolutely just terrible, terrible 6-plus defense save. Their morale is pretty good because they are a bunch of dogs at a 5-plus, but they had to have some saving grace for being a 7-point unit. The Prey on Fear ability is going to help you restore some wounds to you because with the Bastards Girls, you only have to worry about them dropping off an attack dice when they hit their last rank, in which case they go from 6 to 6 to 3. So you definitely don't want to be attacking with that final rank. You want to have them at least 2. And these guys are going to probably get cut down in swaths when they actually get attacked back. Again, morale you don't have to worry about too much, but watch out for enemies that have Vicious or something like that because that is going to hurt you. So Prey on Fear is going to allow you to help, uh, hopefully just top your unit off, so you're at least always attacking with two ranks and getting that six dice with a three plus. These guys here, you really don't want to keep them in combat in any prolonged fight. You know, again, I've said that about the entire army, but these guys are expensive, so you definitely don't want them to fall in that situation. So you really want them to hit a target, neutralize it, and then move on. Ideally, your tactic is to engage your the front line with a bunch of Bolton Cutthroats because odds are your unit's going to be cheaper than the one you're fighting against, and then have your Bastards Girls come around the flank. Uh, something that I do see people uh, tend to overlook when they are just starting the game is flank bonuses and rear bonuses apply to all attacks, not just melee. So if you, hit, if you shoot someone in the flank with, say, your Tracker's Bow, then they're going to suffer minus one to their defense saves and minus one to their um, morale test. So you shoot into a, you know, someone in the flank, then they're going to suffer all those negatives. If they're engaged with one of our House Bolton uh, Cutthroat units, then that's going to give you a bigger potential to trigger the Dreadfort Captain's spread fear effect because it is any time they would fail a panic test, not just one originating from the Cutthroat unit itself. Um, also, this is also uh, very important as well. Um, with the Bastards Girls, this is, I, I know I've said this before, but you need to kind of almost treat them like cavalry. Get into the flanks of guys and get your charges off there because, one thing, they don't have any really cool weapon special abilities here. So, getting that semi sundering effect by charging someone in the flank is going to really make your life a lot easier when it comes to killing units. So one general tactic with the army I have is just run the House Bolton Cutthroats into combat, get them engaged. Not too terribly engaged, maybe a, maybe just a round or two uh, lag with the Bastards Girls, if at the very worst. And then really get in the flank and kill that unit. Um, focus Fire is going to be another method that you're going to want to take with this army to get that effectiveness up there. Uh, next up, we have a second unit of Bastards Girls led by Braun. Braun is the quintessential mercenary of Westeros, and so he is absolutely had to be included in this army. 
He has the extra incentive ability, which is while you control the wealth icon, which half of your tactics cards trigger off of. This unit gains plus one speed, plus two attack dice, and gains plus two to morale test rolls. Man, Braun might as well be a kennel master because he absolutely loves the uh, Bastards girls. Uh, I almost made a bit of a risky joke there involving the word bitches, but I decided not to for the sake of any kids that are listening, and also happen to be big Song of Ice and Fire fans. Weird demographic, but uh, your parents made their choices now, didn't they? Alright, so, uh, looking at Brawn here, he's going to make your unit speed 6, which is good, not amazing, but still good. But the plus 2 attack dice is really what's going to come into play here, because it's to all attacks. means that your tracker's bow is going to move from 4 dice to 6 dice, and your blade and fang attack is going to move from 6 to 8 dice. He is really going to give these guys a big offensive punch. The plus two to morale test rolls is just some gravy on top for the Bastards girls because they tend not to really fail morale tests with that five plus, but hell, at this point you're now rolling and effectively you need a three plus to pass any of your tests. So you almost auto pass any of your morale tests, which is helping to make up for that absolutely garbage six plus defense save as we talked about. So he is just absolutely a fantastic choice to stick in with him. As far as our options go, the House Bolton Cutthroats or the Bastards girls, there's no... Um, there's no option for me. He goes with the Bastards Girls. It's actually at this point that I do want to just take a brief aside to mention something. Uh, we, on the Kickstarter, we did spoil the other uh, Bolton unit, the House uh, Bolton uh, Blackguards. They're a tank option available to the list, and I didn't include them because I wanted to focus on things that people would have arriving in the Kickstarter and immediately afterwards. And... Also, I don't know if I would actually run any in this list. I would probably sneak a unit of them in there somewhere. Um, actually, I'd probably tell you what I would do. I would take a unit of House Bolton Cutthroats and a Dreadfort Captain, remove them, stick in the unit of Blackguards, and probably that's where Ramsey would be. Maybe? I don't know. I, they're a defensive unit, and while they're good, I don't feel I really want them for this type of list. Because this list, I don't want to think about having to be strategic about my defense. I just want to hit you in the head with a mace until you die. So, speaking of which, the last uh, item we have in here, as far as different units go, is going to be one unit of the House Bolton Flademen, the most expensive cavalry in the game. I almost considered not putting these guys in here and instead running another unit of Cutthroats and a Dreadfort Captain which would allow me space for a, a second NCU option. Uh, I want to talk about that in a second, but before that, let's just look at the Flademen. We don't have any attachments for them, and these guys are just general bruisers. These are our kind of tank option that we have for the army. Uh, they roll eight dice and then six dice at their very worst, hitting on a three plus. They love getting actually stuck into melee because they have critical blow and vicious on their attacks. Unlike a lot of other cavalry, they're not reliant on the charge to deal a lot of their damage. Uh, and their defensive profile is 2 plus defense, which is amazing. And a 6 plus uh, morale, which is fine, but that's their weak point. I mean, enemies are going to find ways to, if they're gonna, if they're smart about how they kill them, they're going to target that. So they're going to take the crown area, they're going to cause you to take morale tests, uh, panic tests. That's the way easier way to get rid of these guys than it is just really trying to punch through them. The one negative, though, about them wanting to get stuck into melee is that that does make their flanks vulnerable. So if the enemy is hitting you from the flank, then that's going to suck because, yeah, 2-plus is getting lowered to 3-plus. Oh, no. But that really adds up over time. And frankly, having a 3-plus defense and a 7-plus morale effectively when you're getting attacked from the flank, that suddenly stops being as impressive a defensive stat line as it could be. So, you know, your 10-point investment, which I'll note is two units of Bolton Cutthroats. 
um, they start to you know waver off a bit. But these guys are problem solvers. They're meant to go and find the biggest, nastiest threat on the battlefield and either tie them up or kill them outright. And if your opponent's just running a bunch of cheap units, these guys will just railroad right through them. So I like having a unit of these guys in here, but I did consider some other options. Um, and that's really in regards to when we get to the last thing we're going to talk about here, which is our NCU. So we are playing 50 points, and I'm only running one NCU. That makes me a little nervous, to be honest. Um, I would strongly consider some other options here, if that makes you nervous as well. You could drop the Flaidmen, drop them down to another unit of House Bolton Cutthroats of another Dreadfort Captain, and then stick in Littlefinger as well as Varus here, just to give you those two options. Um... It's nice because that is going to give you additional healing options because you can double claim the wealth zone. It's going to allow you some extra tactics cards to draw. Yeah, it's just good. Littlefinger is just the flexibility he brings to the uh, the army is nice. And you're trading a little bit of uh, hitting power for it. But I think in the end, that might be the best route to go. So, you know, personal play style. The army functions just fine with one NCU, especially because the one we've chosen is Varus. He is specifically there to negate the the fact that we are not running multiple non-combat guys, and the opponent probably is, uh, given the fact that he can cancel out their abilities or cancel effects of the, uh, the zone that they claim as well. So that's why he is, like, there is no option. If you're going to run it one NCU at a, in the neutral army, it's going to be Varus and then Littlefinger in this list specifically. Um, if you're running a different style of list where it's more, oh, well, I won't say that. Um, this list is very combat focused, so actually Littlefinger is not the worst option, but because we're only running, running one NCU, I think that Varus kind of has to be the one that we put in there. Um, I don't like saying that, honestly, because it makes it seem like, oh, well, this is an obvious choice, and it's not the more I think about it, because... Littlefinger is going to give us access to double to claim the wealth zone. He's going to allow us to claim the combat zone, but more so he's going to also allow us to stop the opponent from claiming the zone they want, which is an effect that we really don't have a lot of in this army. We have Varus, but he's unreliable at best, whereas Peter can just make it happen. So that's a, that's a list variation you can run. I mean, there's some other things you could swap out as well, but for me personally, it would be keep the current list with Lord Varus or swap out the House Bolton Flademen for... Um, Littlefinger, and then either a unit of House Bolton Blackguard, if you want to run those, because they're six points, or another unit of Cutthroats with a Dreadfork Captain. Uh, for me, it's it's really a toss-up at that point, uh, because the the Blackguard function just fine on their own, and the Cutthroats with the Dreadfork Captain is going to give you just that much more of an offensive punch. So, you know, yeah, really, either one of those is uh, fine options. Oh, unless I'm remembering incorrectly, because you know what? Those Blackguard might be seven points. In fact, I believe they are seven points. Yep. Well, see, guys, that's what happens when you record these things in one take. Um, so that kind of switches things up a bit. Uh, most of what I talked about doesn't apply. Hmm. Wow. I feel like I wasted your guys' time. That sucks. All right. Well, there's some options there for you anyway. We'll, uh, we'll explore a defensive neutral force list later. But for right now, that's the general uh, list here I'm looking at. 50 points, we have a large number of combat units. Everything we have in our army is fairly cheap, so we don't really care if any individual unit dies. We have a lot of options here as to how we're going to approach different problems, as long as that uh, those solutions involve hitting it until it's dead. Um, the weaknesses of this list, though, is that we do not have a lot of tactics board play um, and manipulation. So if your opponent is running heavy into that, like say they're even running three NCUs, 
they're going to run the gambit because unfortunately poor Varus here is just not going to be able to keep up with that. But at that point you need to capitalize with your combat presence with them and punish them that way. So as I said way back at the beginning of our chat, this list is about capitalizing on opponents' mistakes and giving them a bunch of lose-lose scenarios. Uh, that should be very easy for you to accomplish given the nature of your units and then Ramsey's tactics cards himself. So that's really what I want you to focus on. When you're learning to play this list, you're going to gain a really good eye for capitalizing on when your opponent makes a suboptimal play and also thinking the long game. Because you need to think that you're, a lot of times your opponent's going to have multiple options over things they could do. You need to think about the ramifications of each of those options. When you're playing this list, you almost need to focus more on playing your opponent's list than your own list. Because you've got tons of means of dealing damage, you've got tons of means of causing morale issues. But it's a matter of the way you are going to be the most efficient you possibly can is by your opponent's lack of efficiency. And that's not to say that you're capitalizing on your opponent making bad plays. That's definitely something you want to hope happens. But let's look at the scenario where your opponent makes the best tactical option they can at any given point. Your list is still going to have powerful options. They're not going to be like, you know, the best one that it could have been for your, that scenario. But you're still going to have areas that you can capitalize on. And so it's a matter of knowing your opponent's strengths, definitely knowing their weaknesses and what they're capable of at any point, and um, knowing when best to capitalize on the mistakes they make and when to play to your strengths versus their weaknesses. I know that sounds kind of like it's generic uh, advice, but hey, you're playing a neutral army. The whole thing about them is they're adaptable and they're fairly generic to begin with. So take those lessons to heart and this list will do you really well. Um, I'm a big fan of this list and in fact this might be the my go-to competitive list or just playlist uh, when I go to conventions. Just because I really like the aesthetic of the Boltons. Go figure, I mean, you know, I've got a model in the army. Uh, and I really like the characters in here. Roos specifically is one of my favorite characters in the entire series. Uh, Braun as well, just because I don't think anyone can really hate Braun. And the House Bolton Flademen are probably visually my favorite unit in the entire game. So you'll probably see me with this list uh, at conventions and whatnot in the coming time. So that's going to conclude our overview of this list. Go ahead and tell me what you think, and let me know what uh, commander would you like to see highlighted next, and we'll see if we can't make that happen. All right, guys, take care, and we'll see you next time.